Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fox 12 Weather Podcast. Today is Friday, August 18th, and this is episode 65. I'm meteorologist Jeff Forgeron, joined by our chief meteorologist Mark Nelson. Hey Mark. Hey, good morning Jeff. How you doing? It's good good. Good. I, I just finished up a long stretch of Good Day Oregon. Uh, that's why I actually have a collared shirt on, um, as opposed to looking casual like you. How how you doing out right. there? Right. Um, back back at home, so that's nice. Just in the front yard here because I think the sound is a little better outside. Plus, it's nice. It feels good. The Man. heat wave is over, and yeah. everything feels like it's back to normal. The sky is blue. The chickens are happy back there. It's just it's not hot. Yeah, uh, that was a big discussion in the newsroom and in the studio this morning. Everybody was like, man, it feels so nice outside this morning. And I think yeah. uh, our standards are pretty low given how hot it was this past week. Yeah, because today is still going to be, you know, probably in the 80s, right? I didn't even look. I'm not really, I'm not totally plugged in. But uh, what do you, what did you go for for a high today for this Friday? I went 82 at PDX. Oh, perfect. That's about average, right? Yeah. Right around where we should be. Yeah. Um, Good. So a couple of things that we're going to be talking about today, the big subjects will be the heat wave and the upcoming forecast. Um, there are some things that you'll want to be aware of heading into the weekend and smoke. another <laughs> smoke. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, the other big subject is hurricane Hillary, which is just a major hurricane developing off the coast of Mexico. And it looks like it's going to bring significant impacts to the Southwestern United States and even some minor impacts to the Pacific Northwest. So, uh, we'll be discussing that in the back half of the podcast. And typically we have a weather term of the week, Mark, but I think those two subjects are probably going to dominate the podcast today. So we'll hold off until next week to uh, bring back the weather term of the week. Um, Good idea. So let's let's talk about this heat wave. We just endured a six-day heat wave. It was our longest stretch of heat so far this summer. Um, and there were a handful of things that happened, you know, you and I break down these stats. Uh, Mark, you had you sent me a really good spreadsheet overnight. Um, you must have been working on that hard at home yesterday. Um, so I know you've been looking at the Mark's, – Mark's podcasting by home, at home, by the way. So it sounds like he has you know, some visitors. You know, a very nice person just showed up during this podcast. Too. She's picking up some apples that I picked off the tree. The Gravensteins, right? Okay, they're all yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I put them on just a local little community thing cause I had too many apples. So, uh, I hate to interrupt, but somebody was walking up on the porch. Oh no, you, you actually often drop them off in the newsroom and in the weather center. Yeah. Um, it's one of our favorite times of the year. I will bring some next week. So sorry, sorry to disrupt the podcast, but we're back, we're back on, on no. track. It's a casual <laughs> podcast and I have an excess of tomatoes. So if you want to trade apples for tomatoes, I'm totally game. Great idea. Yeah. Maybe okay. next week. All right. I'll be cool. back next week. Yeah. Deal. Um, okay, so let's talk about the heat wave. It started last Saturday. Today is Friday, August 18th. Um, we went from 91 to 101 Sunday to 108 Monday. Mark, you have – I'm sure you have all the numbers right in front of you. There I do. You go. I, I did take some time, put a little spreadsheet together because for these big historical events, I like to have the numbers. Yeah, so what we had last Friday, a week ago, 87, Saturday, 91, 101, then 108 then 103, then 103, and yesterday was 93. Okay, and then the lows, the lows, wow. 62 on Friday morning, 63 Saturday morning. That was a big surprise to me when during the cool part 
of the period before we were going to get the heat. We couldn't even get below 60 in Portland. Yeah. Um, so we had a 62 on Friday, 63 Saturday, 68, 68, 73, 71. And I think that last one was a surprise. We had the cloud cover, the 70 yesterday morning. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple of things to point out that 108 in Portland, uh, warmest temperature we've ever recorded in the month of August since records began right. back in 1940. Uh, previous record, 107. Um, and before 2020, no, 2021, excuse me. Before 2021, that 108 would have been an all-time record high at PDX. But right. because of our massive or our extreme heat wave back in 2021 of 108, 112, 116, it ended up being third on the list. Yeah, I just, it's amazing that I, you know, I was what, 11, I was 12 when we had that, the last 107 in the early 1980s. So I start my career in the early 90s. I'm thinking, well, someday I wonder if we'll hit 108. And then uh, all through the 90s and 2000s, it didn't happen. The 2010s, in 2009, we had two 106 degree days back to back. That was a biggie. And then in the 2010s, we didn't do it. And then, of course, I'm thinking, okay, at some point, I bet we hit 110. With our warming climate, someday we'll hit 110. Then we had that one, yeah, your 108, 112, 116. But I didn't think we would so quickly, within two years, come back and have a temperature higher than that 107. Yeah, I didn't either. Because um, I thought, you know, that that heat dome that built overhead back in 2021, it just seemed like such an anomaly, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's not great to see the overnight lows made it even harder to cool down for those that don't have ac that those that was terrible homes um that 73 degree morning or overnight in early morning that was tied for the warmest temperature on record at pdx and um i believe that's in the top three warmest nights that we've sounds about right yeah yeah and you know when you said a tie do you remember what year we had the other 73 in august yeah oh in august it was Was last year oh my gosh yeah, it was last year when we had, I think maybe we had a 100-degree day, maybe. But um, yeah, we just had that 73 last August. Now, we should point out, um, it, part of that, yes, we know our climate is warming, things are uh, things are warming up, but also that the Portland urban area has grown dramatically the last 50 years. So it's it's more obvious the low is warming up. I mean, it's easier to hit 70 for a low. That almost, in the first 10 years of my career, that really never really happened once or twice, maybe. It, great point. Um, and when we look down at the stats for Salem, Salem didn't quite get as hot. I think they had Monday, they were at 105. They had a little bit more smoke in the air, more particulate kept it a little bit cooler, but their overnight lows stayed below 70. I think the duration of the event, am I correct? I do have that. I have that as well. Yes. They had a, uh, started the same date Friday through Thursday. So seven day period, they had 58, 59, 64, 65, 69, 65, 69. But still, for Salem to have a low around 70, that's pretty unusual. Yeah, and, and yeah. the reason I point that out is there's not as much cement, asphalt buildings, right. people in Salem as there are in the metro area up north. So, of course, that urban heat island effect is a little less pronounced down south. And when you drive by, you drive by the Salem airport on I-5. And when you drive by, it's pretty obvious there's not as much built up around there out of the airport, kind of south, the outer southeast Salem. So it seems a little more reasonable. Okay, you want the rankings, Jeff? You saw the big wait, spreadsheet. Wait, before, wait, before you get ahead. into that, Troutdale <laughs> hit 110 degrees on Monday. I couldn't believe it that day. Wow. Now, I, I was actually practicing my flying lessons. I was doing touch and goes at Troutdale Airport yesterday. That's mm-hmm. another you know, 
airport, obviously a lot of cement out there. So not a huge surprise that it runs a little bit warmer as well in Troutdale, but still that's impressive. 110. Well, that, you know, that was a day we had the weak easterly flow models. By the way, models nailed this whole thing in general. They did really well. Uh, and, you know, I have to say the GFS was a little slow getting on the on the train late last week. But it, everybody caught up within a three or four days of the event. It was obvious we were going to have either really hot or historic. And um, and so we ended up with one to two millibars easterly flow through the gorge, which is there was just a light easterly drift on that Sunday and Monday. That was a day we hit 101 and 108. And Troutdale did get an east wind that afternoon. So I wonder if that was just enough to kind of the icing on the cake, as we say, you know. And I wonder if we would have had a little stronger east wind, not significantly stronger, but a little stronger. And we had an easterly breeze at PDX, if PDX mm. would have gone that high. There's no reason. I mean, most hot days, you don't see any sort of dramatic difference between PDX and Troutdale. So I'm saying, I wonder if with a little more easterly flow, PDX mm-hmm. would have been 110. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. By the way, was that your phone? Uh, what do you hear? I, I think it's on vibrate. <laughs> just, just oh, that is it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. Yes. It, it, again, we're kind of a I thought it was a duck. Yeah. We're a free flowing podcast here. We we just roll with the punches. But yeah, we do. It, this this was impressive heat, and we're I'm grateful that we didn't have a widespread strong east wind event. Um, by the way, I think was it Monday that Astoria hit 95. I believe that was the case. It probably was Monday. Yeah. So, I, I wasn't I wasn't as plugged in as I normally am, but it was I yeah, would assume I it was probably Monday, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh so overall Monday was the hottest day and then it stayed hot for the next several days. Mark, you've got some rankings in terms of the heat okay. wave here. So yeah, big question somebody's gonna ask, like, how does this is this our greatest ever heat wave? No, I think we would all know that after twenty twenty one, right? When we hit a one oh eight, one twelve, one sixteen. So I wanna know the ranking. Okay, how big of a deal was this? And if you just take, you know, you could rank a heat wave by, okay, well, uh, three-day average of all the temperatures, the highs and the lows. But what I did, I did a four-day, five-day, six-day, and seven-day, right? Um, so at the Portland Airport, the four-day average temperature, that was a Sunday through Wednesday, um, it ranked second after 2021, just ahead of 2009. We had a heat wave in late July and August of 2009. Um, and Pat, beyond uh, 1981 and 1941, those were big heat waves in August of 81 and July of 1941, which that July 41 is pretty amazing considering there was no big urban area then. True. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there were five days out or above 100 in July of 1941, I think. I think that's the only five-day stretch that we've had at and above right. 100. Right. How close? Oh, we weren't too close this time because we had that 93 on Thursday, but um uh, well, what I was going to say, so if you take a four-day average or a five-day average or a six-day average, it was ranked number two in Portland. Or wow. if you take the whole week, the whole week, it's tied for number three because you remember the hottest week on record was the last year. Remember that it didn't get as extreme at the hot end, but we were like 95 and above for like seven days. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, no matter how you do it at PDX, um, we had our two hottest heat waves in the last two years. That's PDX. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, let's look at Salem without as much uh, urban heating or, you know, nighttime. There's a little more nighttime cooling there. And still, Salem's records go back to 1893. And it's for a four-day average, Sunday through Wednesday, it's number four after 2021, the July 41 heat wave, the July of 2009 heat wave, and it's cut off. I don't know what the other one is. So it's number four. Uh, For a five-day, if you take five days of the temperatures, it's number three. 
six days. Wow. It's number four. And we take a whole week. It was the fifth hottest week in Portland's records, which go back 120, 130 years. 1941 was, it was a longer period of extreme heat uh, in Salem. But still, the point is, this was a high-end heat wave. This will be one of the memorable ones, for sure. This was the latest stretch of... Yeah, This was the latest... So we went four days at and above 100, right? At PBX. Right. That yep. was the latest in the summertime that we've seen that happen. So... Yeah, yeah. You know, I, typically in my mind, it's once we hit mid-August, it's like, ah, it's tough to hit 100. There you go. Yeah. Um, and had another stat on the top of my mind. Um, oh, it'll come back we, to you. Yeah. I was looking at <laughs> the first 17 days of August when we averaged okay. highs and lows together at PDX. Our average temperature is 78 through the first 17 days at PDX. That's number one through the first 17 days. We've never had such a warm start to August here. Um, now, someone, mm -hmm. I've, I've had people comment saying, well, it's been relatively, it seems like it's been a pretty good summer. We haven't had a lot of extreme heat. Yeah, before this heat wave, we had not hit 100 degrees yet. So I kind right. of understand right. that thinking. Uh, but you got to also remember that when we talk about warmest stretch, it's not just the high temperatures. We're also looking at those overnight lows. And, um, and we've had a lot of elevated or warmer nights, especially when it has been uh, right. a heat wave. So, um yeah, pretty impressive stuff. Thanks for running those stats, by the way, Mark. Well, I, I like to keep a record for, for posterity, or at least for me. So when you look back at future heat waves, it's all there. I have one from the uh, 2021 heat wave as well. I got a whole file. You know what? If I ever get hit by a bus, oh, maybe we shouldn't joke about those things. But um, <laughs> if, if I ever disappear suddenly, Jeff, you need access to my OneDrive so you can get all that weather information, like 30 years of weather stats. Um, maybe you can share that with me after this podcast. Uh, you've joked about buses and you've joked about Mount Hood erupting. Um, hopefully neither <laughs> well, of the two. <laughs> I'm a realist. <laughs> you're, you're a weather nerd. You're a science nerd. I know you just want to see it happen. You don't want to feel the impacts, but right. Not the right. bus part, not the bus part, <laughs> not the bus. I don't want to feel that, but yeah, no. so that, that pretty much wraps up our heat wave. I suppose I can't think of anything else that really sticks out other than, you know, this is just adds more stress to our, um, vegetation around, that has to uh, deal with hot summer after hot summer. We have not had a cool summer since 2011. I think it's 2011. I think 2012 might've been about average. And I think one of those years, 2019 was about average, but we, every year I think, well, we have a cool summer and now it's been, is this the, maybe about the 11th year or 12th year and just year after year, it just, this is, it's amazingly hot just year after year. And I think Katie Suniga, credit to her, she looked back at when was the last summer that we didn't hit 100 at PDX. And she said it was 2019. And that was the first summer that I was here in the Northwest. I think our warmest right. temperatures were like 97 and 98 that summer. Um, yeah. So history tells us we don't hit 100 every year, but we're kind of trending warmer and warmer. Recently. Yeah. 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 Um, so why don't we talk about the forecast? Again, big talker this morning was how cool it was. I think some parts of our Western valleys were running 10 to 15 degrees cooler than yesterday morning. Um, you know what's funny about that? I think the low was like 61 or 62. Did we even get down to average? The average this time of year must be about 60 because it starts to fall off in mid to late August. And I'm thinking, oh, it's so cool. And yet we, we got down to average. How exciting was that? Yeah, that's a good, I think we just, our body acclimates, right? So we're, yeah. we, we were just right. dealing with such extremes this week that anything in the low 60s feels chilly. 
you know? Right. Um, and by the way, if you're just listening to our podcast, Mark is actually doing his podcast or this podcast from his deck outside because he's kind of taken in the cooler air, it seems. Well, um, and uh, the sound is better. It's a little uh, enclosed in there. I need to work on my sound. Uh, some sound. I need to basically I need. Yes, I'm saying it. I need a padded room. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I, at least that's better than the basement I'm in. This is pretty. I, I don't know how my volume or my sound quality is, but that's OK. Yeah, uh, I think you understand it's what we're fine. saying. You sound great. So the forecast is, well, there's a curveball coming to the forecast. Today, we're expecting highs between the upper 70s to mid 80s from Kelso down to Salem. And the coast right. will be in the 60s and 70s, mostly sunny skies. There's going to be some air quality issues in central Oregon. Bedrock fire and the lookout fire in the Willamette National Forest are still putting out smoke. And so if you're heading out toward Deschutes County, maybe spending the weekend in Bend, uh, I think the start of the weekend is going to be pretty smoky there. But all of a sudden, you know, Mark, I brought up the – I think it was in like the 8 o'clock hour of Good Day Oregon this morning, and I brought up the surface-level air, uh, surface level smoke forecast. And I noticed those big fires – there's so many fires burning up in western Canada. It's it's crazy. Um, and Yeah. The, Did you the, see Kelowna last night, what happened up there? You know, Kelowna's the, in south-central BC. Like the pyrocumulus the, clouds? Yeah, I saw those. But during the night last night, the fire hopped over Okanagan Lake, which is a huge lake. It's several miles across, and it's now burning in parts of Kelowna. I mean, parts of the city are evacuated. That's a pretty large city. That's like Salem size, oh, I think. maybe a little larger. Um, and they're scared today because they have a gusty northwest wind coming up. Oh man! So I think yeah. we're going to hear. So that smoke—it's producing a ton of smoke, right? It, lots of <laughs> smoke, um, mainly confined to Canada right now. But our wind is going to kind of turn out of the north northeast as we head into the weekend and that right. does not bode well for our air quality yeah can you see the uh, smoke forecast right here i can I'm yeah sure. so we're looking at vertically integrated smoke so mark can you explain to our viewers what that, that is that, that means integrated through the whole atmosphere so a lot of this or most of it may be overhead this when we look at this product this is from the her model um it shows smoke concentration forecast so this is 27 hours out which is about eight five six yeah, about 8 a.m. tomorrow, Saturday morning. And it says a whole slug of smoke is coming south through eastern Washington. And notice the, the edge of it is approaching, has moved into the gorge. That's at 8 a.m. tomorrow. This is high in the atmosphere. Let's go to the next one. Whoops. And we're going to do our off. best for those that are listening to the podcast and not seeing oh, the video yes. component. We're going to do our best to kind of describe what we're seeing on these maps. I forget that we, we both have the visual representation. And by the way, you can find the video version on our webpage if you don't have our app it's there and and youtube if you search fox 12 um fox 12 on youtube you can go through the various channels and you'll find our podcasts as well basically folks we are everywhere we are okay. yeah so then this shows same model at uh this is at 6 p.m tomorrow notice high level smoke has moved into northwest oregon so i think it's would it be fair to see it look turns kind of yellowish tomorrow during the day yeah in our area yeah so that's high up now if we go down below so this is tomorrow 8 a.m. Notice air is clear here in the metro area, northwest Oregon, southwest Washington. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, Saturday morning, should be clean air. But there are hints once we get to, let me turn that off, uh, once we get to tomorrow afternoon, this will be like 3 p.m., smoke is starting to show up in the lower atmosphere as well. It's coming in from the north and the northeast. So I think, is this fair to say, air quality should go downhill and just the general feel tomorrow should be turning smokier as we go through the day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was yeah. the message I was sending to viewers on Good Day Oregon. Yeah, and I didn't save the maps for Sunday, but basically it's going to linger. So I think more or less after the first part of tomorrow, 
we're going to have kind of a smoky yellowish weekend. Yeah. I hate to say it too, because, yeah. you know, I think people were like, okay, it's, we're not going to be in the triple digits. We can kind of get outside. And I think we all need to kind of just keep an eye on uh, the air quality and a couple of ways to do that. Um, and I, I like to repeat this airnow.gov is a mm-hmm. great resource. You can just right. type in your city and it should punch out an air quality um, reading that is nearest to you that, you know, the, um, you know, various air quality monitoring stations are scattered around the region. And um, so the weather service uh, will take, you know, the the ones that are approved, but purpleair.com <laughs> has their own network, right? So they right. have their own sensors, a lot of like home stations, and you could probably find one or two in your neighborhood if you zoom in on their map. Um, mm-hmm. One note, Mark, when you go to air, when you go to purpleair.com and you bring up their map, there's a couple of drop down menus, and there's a conversion mm-hmm. menu. And you gave me that tip. Well, you're a while getting back. serious now, getting, getting well, hardcore on this one. But good point. It, yeah, keep going. Yeah, uh, dr- click that drop down menu and select LRAPA, um, and that's going to give you a yeah, Lerpa. that's, <laughs> that's going to give you a, a more accurate reading of what your air quality is looking like. Um, otherwise, I think it tends to overdo it a little bit. Yeah, the home the home sensors, the uh, purple air ones, would appear to read high. I think that's how it works. If you if you don't click that, so is that right? Those are going to be two. Yeah, yeah and those are going to be two good websites to look at. Um, say if you have any respiratory issues and you're hesitant to go outside, check on that. If you're anywhere from orange, unhealthy for sensitive groups, or turning red or purple, those are the color coordination or the colors on the legend that represent mm-hmm. for air, air quality. You probably don't want to get get outdoors if uh, if you're seeing that. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, but yeah, that's your smoke. So we covered heat, smoke. What's next? So Is let's talk time? about the temperature forecasts. Upper eighties yeah. and low nineties probably this weekend. Depending on you know what, yeah. I wasn't accounting for some big <laughs> smoke. We know we what that in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, we I may think, stay in the eighties. That could happen easy. And I think you know Katie's Suniga will be in tomorrow morning, and I think Camilla will be in this evening. So um, Camilla's working the weekend. Yep. And Drew Reeves also will be working on the forecast. So the combination of those three, I'm sure they're going to pick up on the smoke and they'll probably trend temperatures down a little bit, but expect a warm weekend. I think we cooled down a little bit Monday through Wednesday, Mark. Another trough mm-hmm. will kind of slide down uh, our coastline and that's going to help to usher in more marine air and that should drop our highs several degrees. So refreshing nights and mornings and then warm afternoons, better air quality, I would, I would assume as well. Um, and then things might start to warm up again toward the end of the week. But no sign so far, folks. This is a biggie. Sometimes at the end of August, we see the kind of beginnings of a fall, cool, showery spell, even if it's only for three days. For now, we don't see that, right? We don't see that, nor do we see any extreme heat coming beyond uh, what we just had. So summer will continue next week, more or less. Kind of like right. what we had before the heat wave. Warm, yeah. but not too extreme. Yep, and yeah. it, it, we can't really look long range on the on the smoke forecast because you have to really know what the fires are doing. Um, you can talk about the wind all you want, but we we just don't know what that's going to be like. So yeah, that's a lot your of fires forecast. around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I was just saying a lot of fires are around us. So which it all depend on the wind direction, which is more or less what you already said. So you covered yeah. it, but I had to add more for some reason. <laughs> it's all Go good. Ahead. Um, so team effort. Yeah. So Hurricane Hillary. So Mark, 
early yesterday morning, which would have been Thursday the 17th, I got into mm-hmm. work. I get in really early, get ready for the forecast and whatnot. It's about 2.15. I pull up the National oh. Hurricanes website, and it was Tropical Storm Hillary. I believe mm-hmm. Tropical Storm Hillary was packing sustained winds of 70 miles per hour. Let's fast forward to this morning, and this tropical cyclone underwent rapid intensification off the coast of Mexico, and now it's a Category 4 hurricane. Um, so this is a major hurricane developing in the eastern Pacific, south of um, basically south of Baja, California, or south of Cabo San Lucas. And you can see the map there. For the folks that are watching on video, you can see it, right? Hopefully I shared yeah, it correctly. I can yeah, see okay. it. I think everybody else can see it as well. Good. And um, I'm sure you've heard rumblings about this. This system is taking an unusual track, not totally unusual. We have seen tropical systems work their way up the Baja California Peninsula and close to Southern California, and some have made landfall in Southern California, but this one looks like it's going to hold on to a pretty strong hurricane strength or tropical storm strength, and then is likely to make landfall in Southern California sometime between Sunday night and Monday morning. Right. And we should point out, number one, um, the reason we don't typically see these, I mean, you look, okay, look at the latitude there of, um, let's say Los Angeles or San Diego, the latitude, you move over to the east, that's like, oh, central Louisiana or southern Alabama, we can easily get hurricanes over there. The reason is at this latitude on the west coast of continents in the northern hemisphere, it's a northerly current of cool water. So the waters are pretty chilly. Once you get um, north of about uh, see the red area where the hurricane warning is right now. Once you get north of there, hurricanes can't really survive because they need 80 degree water. And that water could be 70, 72 degrees. It's just not warm enough to sustain them. Yeah, the I, I watched a weather briefing from the National Weather Service office in San Diego, and they said that right offshore of California and uh, like ba- Tijuana, basically, right off the coast of Baja in Southern California, sea surface temperatures are in the 70s. So as Mark just mentioned, you need sea surface temperatures at and above 80 degrees to sustain a hurricane or for a hurricane to strengthen. Um, and mm-hmm. so as it travels north, it will gradually weaken. Uh, it won't be as organized. The wind speeds will come down a little bit. But this system, Mark, is in a very humid, moist environment off the coast of Mexico over the eastern Pacific. It's, it's just drawing so much moisture into it. And it's going to be carrying that moisture up to the north. So wind is going to be a factor. High surf mm-hmm. and, and, and some storm surge will be a factor. But the biggest problem, I think, that Southern California and the desert southwest spaces is the rainfall aspect of this. Um, now, Mark, you brought up a, a graphic here. This is the rainfall outlook uh, issued by NOAA. And mm-hmm. why don't you go ahead and help kind of describe sure. what's going on here? Yeah, basically, this is their one to one to five day rainfall forecast. Uh, they do this for significant weather systems. And what you're looking at, I'll describe it for people that aren't, they can't see. Um, basically, everywhere in the southern one third of California will likely get two inches or more of rain. I mean, we're talking everywhere, including the deserts. Because if you think about it, this is a tropical system. It's coming in from the south. When we get the, the wet systems in the cool season that come in from the west, they're running into the Sierra, they're running into the... Uh, the other ranges there south uh, between Los Angeles and San Diego. But if it's coming up from the south, it's deep tropical moisture. So even the deserts, uh, go ahead, Jeff, can get uh, can get a lot of rain. Yeah. And okay, imagine a hurricane. It's cylindrical. The wind mm-hmm. rotates counterclockwise. And so right. do the bands of moisture. And typically, mm. 
the right side or the east side of a hurricane has the greatest impacts, the most rainfall, right. the strongest wind. And the can you bring up that forecast track again one more time, Mark? Yep. So there is still some uncertainty as to exactly where the center of circulation is going to go. But let's assume that the center of circulation moves over San Diego. That mm -hmm. would put the right side of the hurricane or the east side of the hurricane over the deserts, the mountains and the deserts of Southern California. So um, again, I'm kind of referring back to the weather service office in San Diego. They had a great discussion yesterday. They keep putting out videos. Um, the strongest wind and the heaviest of the rain bands are going to be kind of pinwheeling in from the east. And they're going to be moving over the high deserts of of Southern California and Arizona, and they're going to be moving into mm -hmm. the mountain ranges, those eastern slopes of the mountain ranges, San Diego County Mountains, San Bernardino Mountains, the Riverside County Mountains, the San Bernardino Mountains. There are indications that those mountain ranges could pick up 10 inches or more of rain um, in, a, in, a matter of, in a matter of three days. And, um, and if you look at this map here, and for those that are just listening, um, like the inland or not the inland empire, excuse me, um, the deserts. So like basically from the border of, of Mexico and California, like, uh, the Imperial Valley extending northward to the Salton sea and into the Coachella Valley where Palm Springs and Coachella are, uh, those there's just a large area circled in yellow. And that map map indicates four to six inches of rain likely for just a huge swath of the desert down there. And yeah, and, and look how it goes all the way into the deserts of Nevada, two to four inches. And in, into Death Valley, which was at about 130 degrees a few weeks back. I mean, think about that, Mark. You could have yeah. a just a, a tropical inundation of rain coming into just desert communities that have been super dry and super hot. Yeah, and when I've been to Palm Springs, which is you grew up in that area, and and I see those like kind of they kind of have what looks like dams across where the where the washes. canyons kind of open up the washes, and they have dams there, and they're clearly made for big events like this, where it's like where would all that water come from? So I guess so they can hold it back briefly, so it can you know go out in an orderly fashion. But boy, that's going to be pretty pretty uh, dramatic down there, Jeff. I got to tell you, viewers, this morning Jeff said. I'm getting some FOMO and I'm like, I know FOMO means something, but I can't think of what. So I actually had to look it up. I had to Google it because I'm 54. It means fear of missing out. So you want to be down in your home territory, like to experience this tropical rain, don't you? A big event. It would be, it would be like you covering weather in Palm Springs, but a rainfall event like you've never seen before is going to impact the Pacific Northwest, Mark. That's kind of or, or a I'm three feeling. foot snow. How about a three foot snowstorm? I would not want to be down in a sunny place when that happens here. Well, and, and that's just the thing, Mark. And you, you joke about being a three foot snowstorm. A one foot snowstorm is huge in the metro area, right? Well, yeah, right. Palm Springs, Palm Springs averages about four to five inches of rain a year, a year. Oh. And they're going to see that across the entire desert landscape in a matter of three days. And I, you know, I, I try to visualize like, what is, where is all this water going to go? Obviously it's mm -hmm. going to go to the lowest areas. I sadly, I just imagine neighborhoods, um, neighborhoods getting flooded, uh, a lot of homes. I know that the fire departments down there are handing out sandbags, um, just to help to kind of shore up homes and whatnot. But there, the desert doesn't receive and handle rainfall as well as, say, the Pacific Northwest does. I mean, the water just does right. not get absorbed into the ground as well. Yeah, the first half inch will go in, and then that'll be it. Or I'm right. just making that up, but something like that. And you can see this flash flood guidance here. 
Uh, and here's another graphic we just pulled up, folks, and it shows what a high risk. I don't. I can't see the legend because you're right. No, yeah, um, a high risk, at least seventy percent chance of flash flood risk across essentially the Coachella Valley. I know right. a lot of people have connections to Southern California, may have traveled there for vacation. This is just going to change the landscape, the hiking trails, the you know the 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 stream beds. They're all beds, Mark. They don't have flowing water in them typically. Right. Um, so yeah, we we're, we're going to, we're going to be watching it closely. Um, and you know, I think by Monday, we're going to have a really good idea of how this all played out Monday and Tuesday. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of visuals on that, but the, the track of the system uh, really quick, I just want you to visualize, imagine the, the, the plains and the, the Midwest, there's going to be a mm -hmm. big heat ridge, big heat ridge building out there over the next few days. All right. Mm -hmm. And the air rotates clockwise around a heat ridge so that that's going to draw that circulation the the hurricane or the remnant of the hurricane up to the north it's going to move into interior california and then it's going to work its way maybe somewhere between nevada and eastern oregon and idaho so right it'll be well past hurricane strength at that point it'll probably be just a remnant low but it's still going to be carrying a lot of that moisture northward, right? Yes. You know, we've seen that with regular tropical systems. A hurricane runs into New Orleans, and then two days later, it's pouring, you know, several inches of rain in southern Illinois or southern Ohio or Kentucky or Tennessee, right? And so the same thing, except it'll be disrupted by mountains a bit more. But the, the whole atmosphere is still, there'll be a chunk of very humid air. And that moves right up through eastern Oregon, it looks like, on Monday. There's just one model's representation. This is the Wharf GFS. We're looking at, a, you know watching, you're listening, what you can basically see is the eastern third of Oregon gets soaked during the daytime on Monday. It looks like it's mainly done by Monday afternoon, Monday evening. But there are spots just on this model. Uh, oh, you know what? I can't see the legend either, but I think it's one inch pretty widespread across that eastern quarter of the state. Like if you drew a line from Burns to John Day to Legrand in east, could be a big soaking, kind of a steady rain. It probably will not be real thunderstormy. It looks like an actual slug of rain comes through. Yeah, um, I was saying about a half an inch to an inch, uh, maybe on the higher end, but there could be isolated pockets that pick up more than that. Um, we're going to be dealing with yeah. an unusually moist atmosphere. What is that red there? I can't see the legend, Jeff. There's some red in the like the Blue Mountains or the Southern Wallowas. I, you know what, Mark? It's blocked for me too. So I would assume <laughs> it must be two or three inches. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, I basically in Baker City. Maybe Lagrange, but Baker City in Boise, Monday is going to be a weird subtropical feeling day. With a lot of hey, rain. Hey, if we see one to two inches of rain in some of the driest parts of the state toward the end of the That'd summer. That would be great. Yeah. Right? I mean, think about the big fires that were burning out there last summer up in like the yeah. Blue and Wallowas. Yeah, that'll help. That'll give, that'll give them a good break for a week or so at least. A week and a half, two weeks maybe. Yeah. Also, I think it was last summer. You kind of lose track of when the fires happen. <laughs> it's just yeah. everything overlaps kind of. But um, so yeah, we're going to be keeping tabs on the hurricane. Uh, I'm sure, you know, we're going to be covering it all weekend on our newscasts. And right. of course, we're, locally, we're going to be watching for the smoke. One more note, Mark, uh, there's, mm -hmm. a red, there's a red flag warning posted for um, a portion of the Cascades, Central Oregon and the Columbia River Basin today through tonight, um, because you mentioned there's a pretty decent onshore gradient, which what that means is a pretty strong onshore flow that'll be right. working its way. I think over the Cascades and through the gorge, and that's going to elevate the fire danger. 
Yeah, pretty gusty. I mean, so far here, the peak gusts already, we've seen gusts. Well, this is up at uh, just east of Hood River at 2,000 feet, a gust of 51 there, a gust of 45 at Lyle already today. So pretty strong west winds are cranking through the eastern gorge. So the heat wave has ended finally out there as well, which is good news. Yeah, so if a fire were to break out, it could spread rapidly. Let's just use extra caution. And yeah, just a heads up again, smoke will probably become more of a factor heading into the weekend. So uh, use your best judgment and use those resources that I listed earlier in the podcast, airnow.gov and purpleair.com. Uh, that about does it for the podcast today. Yep. Uh, we're going to be back next week uh, with more coverage, probably updates on how this hurricane played out and the impacts in Southern California and beyond. But Mark, thanks for joining me from home on your vacation time. And uh, thanks for all of you for tuning in uh, and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Please tell us about the weather.